Hi, welcome to Office Hours, a podcast presented by College Fashionista. It's Amy Levin here. This week's episode is with Amy O'Dell, editor at Cosmopolitan.com. We chatted about how to move up within your organization and the challenges of the media industry. Enjoy our conversation. I'm here with Amy O'Dell. Great to have you. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yes. What's your current title? I am the editor of Cosmopolitan.com, which includes basically all of Cosmo but the print magazine. Okay. And I also oversee uh, Redbook's website, which is redbookmag.com. Interesting. Okay. And as far as print and digital, are you in constant conversation with the editor-in-chief of Cosmo, or do the two run like separate operations? Sure. So at Hearst, uh, the print and digital are separate, which I think is a really common structure. When I started at New York Magazine a long time ago, like, gosh, I guess it's got to be almost 10 years ago, which is terrifying, (laughs) Uh, print and digital were totally separate. So... Uh, at Hearst, there's a separate print and digital structure, but that said, we do work together on packages and content, and so we are talking to each other, and people on my team are talking to people on the print team all the time. Right, and if there's a cover story in print, I'm assuming you guys pull some extension on digital for that. Yeah, we like, put everything in the in the magazine online that we can, Yeah. Um, and with cover stories, um, which for Cosmo is always a celebrity, obviously. Uh, we'll yeah, you do guys a, get the best people. We'll do a video and, um, you know, like any sort of extra, help coordinate any extra promotion that we can, like with the star. So, you know, Miley Cyrus is on the September issue. We went down to her um, her childhood home, which is where the shoot took place. That's and awesome. We filmed did her you go? In her bedroom. I did not go because, you know, like I can't just like jaunt off to Nashville for a day. I think we shot <laughs> it on a holiday weekend also. But um, we sent two people down there to do the video shoot. So they went down for the day, filmed her in her childhood bedroom. Um, and then we got this, you know, like a really cute video. And you can find it on Cosmopolitan.com and on our social channels. Um, and Miley shared it too, so you can check her Facebook page. But it's just a really cute video of her in her home, like reading her journals. That's awesome. And especially I feel like she's rebranding herself. I'm really feeling what she's doing. Same. Can I just say? Me too. <laughs> I think she is a genius I'm into I it. I love her new music. I'm so excited for her album to come out. I've listened to Malibu on repeat a ridiculous amount of times, like an embarrassing amount of times. Yeah, same. And her new song just came out. I haven't heard now. it yet. Oh, my God. It's so good. And the video is so good, too. You should watch it. Okay. It's like an interesting fashion okay. feel and moment. No, I like everything. I like her beauty that she's doing. I'm digging it for sure. So Miley is obviously much younger than I feel like your guy's core reader correct me if I'm wrong no she's not no so you guys get younger because I feel like with Cosmo what always intrigues me is that you guys will feature Miley and then you'll feature a Madonna Mm -hmm. and how do you guys like think about that process of of catering to such a wide range you know I I can speak to the website because I don't oversee the magazine but um you know on the website we feature so many people um Issa Rae, we featured recently. We featured Nelly Furtado. Um, I'm trying to think of our recent celebrity interviews that we've done. Um, SZA, I think I'm pronouncing her name correctly. That's a... S-C-A, you pronounce it SZA. We interviewed her. Um, So, you know, like, we're interviewing celebrities all the time. And it can range from their age. Yeah, I mean, our readers are, you know, we broadly see them as millennials, so 18 to 34. 
we have a lot of um, college students uh, reading Cosmo. We also have a lot of high schoolers reading Cosmo on Snapchat. Interesting. And we also have a lot of moms. So right. That's a. That, I mean, that's a broad it's range. It's really it's a broad range, but it's just sort of young womanhood in general. Um, and though we do cover childbirth and motherhood, we kind of we don't go too far beyond like babies. Yeah. You know, so we don't really talk about raising a seven-year-old. We'll talk about giving birth and then what to do with a newborn. Right. And that's where our audience sort of drops off for us. That makes wise. sense. But if you look at, like, Madonna is such an unprecedented superstar. Like, everybody knows Madonna. Yeah. And even if you weren't um, a fan of hers, like, in the peak of her heyday, you know her songs because they're being played at your friend's weddings. Yeah. Like, there's... There's respect for her no matter what age you're at yes absolutely I think that's I feel like that's what makes you guys unique for us we're just so hyper focused on college students so we're in this 18 to 22 year old bubble Mm -hmm. but it's so fun for you that you get to kind of work with a broad range of really incredible women and and expose their stories at all different phases of their life yeah which is really cool yeah what is the most challenging part of your role That is a great question. I mean, um, I manage about 40 people, I would say, as a digital team. Um, Direct reports? Not direct reports, but that's that's who I'm responsible for, and that's a huge challenge. Yeah. And you kind of don't really know what it's going to be like until you do it. Um, And I love doing it because I think one of the most rewarding things about being a manager is nurturing young talent and seeing them succeed. Uh, And, you know, like, getting to promote people and um, seeing people reach their full potential. But, uh, you know, I think one of the difficult things about managing is that you can't you can't keep everybody happy all the time, even though you, you'll really want to. Yeah. Um, so there's that. But, and then there's also just, like, the nature of running, like, an Internet news uh, brand. It's really hard because you have to keep up all the time with what's going on across sort of every subject and come up with unique ways to cover it for your audience because there's so much that anybody could read or watch on any given day so you have to think how are you going to break through right and I mean that's like that's the really fun thing to think about as an editor but it's it's also challenging just to keep on top of everything all the time across all of the different platforms that we're on yeah it's like every day you need to be a creative genius mm-hmm for sure. What are qualities in your young talent that really stand out to you? Hmm. Young meaning like interns or No, like your your employees who are right out of college and it's their first job and you know our our young our not young, but our students who graduate are always looking for ways to you know prove themselves and show that they're a value add to the organization. Mhm. You know, I'm really impressed with people who do more than the role says that it is, you know, because there's going to be a job description for your role. And then I think everybody wants people, especially in in media, which is a very competitive industry, uh, to do more than that. So, you know, one example of that is let's say you're responsible for... um, for uh, posting videos to our social feeds. You could just do that, or you could say, like, 
hey, would it be helpful for you if I generated a report every week or every month or whatever about how our videos are doing so that you know, because I know because I'm looking at it all day every day, but you're really busy and you're not going to have time to look all day every day. So yeah. I want to find a way to make it easier for you to know. So those are the things that, that really impressed me in entry-level people, which an entry-level job in media is an assistant role. Right. And I think that a lot of people don't learn how to manage up. And... Um, People who are good at managing up are very, very rare, actually at all levels, I think. And it's a really important skill. And if you learn it early, I think that you can accelerate probably faster in your career than people who don't know how to do that. Yeah, that's really good advice. That's really, really good advice. And I think like what you said is um, something that I, I notice in my team is that sometimes they're doing something every day and they don't realize that like that's not also kind of on my radar and to present it in a really digestible way to help improve, like just improve the organization and um, be more efficient for like your manager's time is just so helpful. I personally also like when people in one department kind of cross over and bring ideas to another department because I think a strong organization, especially for our size since it's small, everyone's kind of after the same goal and people have different points of view. So I love when the girls on our kind of business sales side of the organization bring ideas for editorial or bring ideas for social media. For me, that shows that they actually really care about the growth of the company and not just their department. I think that's um, kind of just a good takeaway for, for whatever you're doing. Like, don't be afraid to kind of cross that line um, and, and share your ideas because everyone, you know, needs new ideas and every company needs to grow. So mm-hmm. I feel like there's no harm there. And what about once you're in your entry-level position, um, how do you advise asking for a promotion or um, kind of moving up the ladder? Because I think that's something that our young audience is a little afraid to do. Really? Yeah. Interesting to hear you say that, because I find that people ask for promotions uh, early and often. Really? And I don't... I don't know that that's necessarily a bad thing, but I do hear a lot of people complaining about how young people think they should be promoted all the time, think they should get raises all the time, and perhaps don't have a lot of self-awareness about their true value in the company. Um, Self-awareness is key in there. Self-awareness is really important because I think another thing that this generation, I'm a millennial, but I think that's something that our generation is fighting is stereotype. So you kind of have to manage against your stereotype. Everyone thinks that we're entitled and lazy and narcissistic and don't work hard. And I think that we have to really work to combat that perception. And I think that if you're going to ask for a raise and a promotion, you know, it's a good idea to do check-ins with your manager um, once a year. Hopefully the company you end up at will have some sort of, um, you know, like yearly review or yearly evaluation process. But you should check in with your manager once a year or, I mean, really more often than that. Like a feedback loop is really important. And, um, you know, going back to like what what young people can do to stand out in their jobs, like be good at taking feedback. Um, In media, like I've had so much like I've had so many nasty things said about me and to me um, about my work. And I think that people who um, stick around, like kind of get over it, you develop a very thick skin. But it's really important, you know, like let's say you're an assistant, like 
and your manager sits you down and says something like, you know, I've noticed that you're not meeting your deadlines. I really need you to meet your deadlines. You should say, thank you so much for the feedback. I'm going to do everything I can moving forward to meet my deadlines. Instead of being defensive. Yeah, don't be defensive. Because the other thing, too, is like your managers are busy and they don't have time to have conversations with you about things. If they're taking time to sit you down and say, like, this is a problem, you know, they're taking time to do that. And what they want to hear is, thank you for the feedback. I'm going to do better. Yeah. Not a whole story, you know, about like, dog ate my homework. <laughs> about like why you couldn't do it. Because like they don't really care. At the end of the day, like the job just needs to get done. Incredible advice. Incredible advice. I couldn't agree more. I would love if that was the feedback everyone on my team always kind of said when I um, gave them constructive criticism. Talk to me about your book. What inspired you to write it? I just thought it would be a really good book because it hadn't been done before. The book is Tales from the Back Row, an outsider's view from inside the fashion industry, and it's humorous essays about what it's really like to be a fashion writer and reporter. So like going to Fashion Week, um, interviewing fashion celebrities like Karl Lagerfeld and Rachel Zoe, and just kind of like what that world is like. Did you enjoy writing it? I loved writing it. Uh, doing a book, is it's so much more than the writing, and the writing was really, really fun. And then you have to promote it relentlessly, which I'm doing right now, and um, be really involved in the marketing, which just given that I'm not maybe, well, I guess I've become more of a natural marketer over my, my career, but um, that was that was harder for me than actually writing the book, because writing the book was really fun. Right, and you're a writer. Well, also juggling your full-time job in that. I'm, yes. I'm sure it's challenging in itself. It was challenging, but um, I didn't mind it. Like, I wrote the book really on the weekends uh, and did the editing on the weekends. And then when you're promoting it, you're really just promoting it as often as you can every single day when it comes out. <laughs> um, What's been the best uh, way that people have found out about the book? That's a good question. I don't, it's kind of hard to say. I know that. Uh, yeah, I was really fortunate to be featured in the Skim. That's a really, really powerful newsletter. Yeah, I'm sure wonderful. a lot of I'm sure a lot of podcast listeners subscribe to the Skim. I subscribe to the Skim. I've subscribed to it for many years, or for as long as it's been around. I guess it hasn't been that long. Yeah, they're Danielle and Carly are super smart girls. Yeah, they're amazing. So they featured it. I was really thankful for that. Um, and I've heard from other authors that that the Skim is just a powerful. Um, powerful way to get the word out about your book but then also I think that like social media is important and like seeing people share the book on Instagram you know like if you like a book so much they're going to take a picture of it and put it in your Instagram feed I think that's that, that has to be so cool for you to see oh I love it I love it when people do that it's if like you a have special the, feeling yeah and if you're listening and you've read the book and you you do that um please tag me <laughs> at instamy odell i-n-s-t-a-m-y-o-d-e-l-l yeah i love i love seeing that and then it's also a good way for me to get feedback about the book um or just like kind of engage in a little conversation and you know with someone who bought the book who i wouldn't otherwise get to connect with so that's that's really flattering i love that yeah i'm, I'm sure that is a very special feeling all right, we're going to switch gears, and I have a couple questions from students who are a part of our community. The first one is from Jordan Shiley, and she goes to James Madison University. And the question is, if you could swap closets with anyone, dead or alive, who would it be and why? I would swap closets with someone who had a capsule wardrobe because I hate thinking about what I'm wearing every day. Good answer. 
I've gotten lately very into this uniform and I'm so happy with it. Today is atypical, but I agree. It's like I don't want to think about that in the morning. Yeah, I want to just like, go. You have enough decisions to make at some yes. point and you're just like, I don't want to decide this. I, totally. And in college, it was a different um, pleasure because that that was like a part of the day, right? Like, what am I wearing to class or what am, am I wearing going out? But mm-hmm. to your point, there's just too many decisions. That's one I don't want to make. The next question is from Emily Guzman from University of Iowa. And her question is, as a very successful Cosmo editor, what is your strategy for creating content for readers and how have you used Instagram for brand building? I guess now, you know, to go back to something I was saying earlier, we're funneling our content into so many different distribution channels. So there's Snapchat Discover, there's all of our social platforms. We have six Facebook pages. We have Instagram, as um, as the reader mentioned. Emily is her name? Yes. As Emily mentioned. Um, we have YouTube. We have Facebook videos. We have YouTube videos. We have um, Pinterest, Twitter, the website. And it's kind of like what's happening is the website is is still really important, but it's like no longer the primary distribution channel for your content. So you have to think so much about where your content is appearing. And I think that that's that's a thing that that we're really working on as as an organization is how do we um, optimize our content for all of these distribution platforms. And then also like you have to know your audience on all of the different platforms because it can be a little bit different. Even though we're broadly reaching young women, you know, on Snapchat, I'm more likely to be reaching a teenager than I am on Facebook. So those are all things that we take into account. And uh, using Instagram for brand building, I mean, Instagram is kind of like the visual identity of your brand. So it's incredibly, incredibly important. And, you know, we're fortunate to work with a lot of sponsors on Instagram. And so we want to make it an environment that feels really beautiful, but also like relatable to our audience because Cosmo is a fashion brand and it is a beauty brand, but it's also something that people really easily relate to. So turning that into a visual identity is really what Instagram is for us. And then we also, because I I really pride Cosmo on having developed a really funny, smart, pithy voice, and we make our own memes, and we we put those on Instagram as well. Yeah, I feel like your guys' feed is is humorous and it's fun, which I appreciate. Mm-hmm. And the last question is from Jada Brinkley at University of North Texas. Her question is: In your journey of becoming an editor at Cosmo, what moment would you say has defined you the most for the position you're in right now? Oh, that is such a good question. I'm also from Texas, so shout out to Texas. There's probably so many. Sure. (laughs) You know, um, I've been really lucky in my career to have worked with amazing people at amazing publications kind of every step of the way. Um, Even my first job, which was kind of a joke and... um, Ridiculous, and I talk about it in my book. I was fired um, because it was like this crazy startup, and um, it was just sort of like not a great situation. But there were awesome people working there who I'm still friends with to this day. Um, and uh, you know, then I went to New York Magazine, which like is run by Adam Moss, who is a total genius. The website is run by Ben Williams, who's also great. Um, and at BuzzFeed, like, Jonah Preddy is sort of, like, a genius also. And um, 
they did a great job there building out their news organization, which I was a part of. And Troy Young is the person who brought me to Hearst. He's the president of digital. Uh, Hearst is Cosmos' parent company. And he is um, he's a visionary, and he, uh, he did so much to um, improve the websites at Hearst. And uh, also, he created an environment where people like me could go and and thrive and do their best work. And so I'm thankful to have worked at all those organizations and for all of those people. And the thing that I would say about that is like, it's not like, um, it's not like that was just the only job that I could have done. And I don't say that to toot my own horn, but when I was at New York Mag, I had a lot of different offers to go, you know, and, and work at different publications. And I waited for the right thing. Um, and for the right time to leave. And I think that that's something that's valuable to consider, even though I know a lot of a lot of you listening to this podcast are just thinking about your entry level job. But, you know, probably after you're at your entry level job for a year or two, you're going to get the itch to leave or you'll think that you need to leave. And I think that the question that you should ask yourselves at that moment is, you know, once you get an offer, because if you're good at your job, you will get other offers, especially in media, right? I mean, I think that's just how, how our world works. But, you know, I think you should really ask yourself, like, is this the right place for me? Is this taking my career in the direction that I want to take it in? I think that a lot of us don't get into media because of money. So it seems, um, it seems short-sighted to just take jobs for money. You know, if you if you're not really struggling, if you don't like really need a raise that another job might offer you, like, um, I just think people should really think about like where they're going because the brands you work at matter and the jobs that you do matter. And it's, you know, like you could go into, like, let's say you're working in editorial and a job comes your way for marketing. It's like, do you really want to do marketing? Like if you don't, then don't take that job. Right. You know? So I think that that's, like being methodical about your career and thinking about where you want to end up and like what is this job going to do for me I think is really important and I was really careful in the decisions that I made along the way about that throughout my career. I think that's smart and to add to that I don't think that you need to say oh I've been here for two years I need to leave. I think it's have I learned everything I can possibly learn from this organization. Have I moved up the absolute most I can move up? And if the answer is yes, fine, a good time to look around. But I I do think that we're all guilty, our generation, of jumping too much. And chances are when you jump, the same issues and frustrations that you have sure. at your current job are going to be repeated at the other organization. So I think really make sure you max yourself out. Um, yeah, I think that's before great advice. You move over. Also, too, if you don't want the job of the person above you, then you should probably leave too. Right. Once you've learned everything that you can learn. Right. But um, yeah, and I, I would also caution people against jumping around a lot because, well, when you're interning, it's sort of really fun because you can that's do a one different semester, world. Yeah. One semester, one place. One semester, another place. That's and, the time to jump. Yeah, that's great, but. Although I will say that I love having interns come back who do a good job for us, and those are the ones I'm most likely to hire. But um, when you are working, you have to be careful about jumping around every year, every two years, because when when I see resumes for people who jumped around all the time, I'm always 
I'm never sure that they're going to stay. And I've taken chances on those people before and they don't stay. <laughs> Same. Same. Yeah. You think it'll be different with your organization, but chances are it's not. Yeah. Or you think they're really great and you're willing to take the chance, but they, you know, they usually don't. Yeah. It's good to stay. You know, my husband does something very different for me. He's, um, he has an MBA and he, um, he works in business and he, like people in his world tend to really stay for a lot longer than people in media. Like, um, you know, like five years is like a, a good minimum in, in his world. And, you know, I just think that it's like, it's fine to stay somewhere for a long time. Yeah, I I agree. I've been doing college fashionista now for eight years, which is so crazy. And obviously I'm in a different position, but I, I learn something new every day. And I think, you know, my team does as well. So mm-hmm. um, while we might not be like our parents who have these 25 year careers at one organization, I do think there's value in being there for more than one year. hundred percent. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for chatting with us on this Monday and um, stay in touch. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for joining us on this week's episode of CF Office Hours. We're taking a break for the month of September and we'll be back with a new and improved show in October. Stay tuned. Bye.